0: Here we go. It works now. We start from beginning. No. But this is, yeah, Marco is from our church in Ish, so he knows good. And uh, it's a very important thing if you have any kind of mission workers who's coming from your church and work in a different culture, you gotta understand, help them by understanding from what kind of things are going working in a different culture. So, yeah, okay, we'll come to that. So, this is, um, this is where we wanna go with this seminar. This seminar should give you a realistic expectation of uh, being involved with a different culture. It should give you presence of mind to employ copying skills. Okay? A lot of things that you're involved with in another culture, you're not aware until you don't stop and start thinking and saying yourself, aha, why is this happening? Why do I feel like this? Why do I go through all these difficulties? Why I feel burnout? you got to stop down and deliberately think about... Uh, Issues of the different cultures, you can employ coping skills. There's a coping skills that can help you to move forward in understanding culture and actually help you not just to survive mission, call cultural mission, but actually enjoy cult cultural mission come out from the cult cultural mission uh, absolutely enriched in yourself and enriched in God. And to help you to develop strong relationships among the people in other culture. Okay, I'm not going to go through any kind of theology, probably the only words I'm going to share with you is go and make disciples of every nation. Okay, for you who's coming from the industrial kind of <coughs> Western background, you are more, you will be very, um, uh, you'll be more focused on a task. Task is go and make disciples. Okay, and this in the making those disciples is to making genuine relationship with the people from another culture. I tell you what, other cultures, honor and shame cultures, they put a huge aspect on the relationship. I will say the Western culture will put more aspect on there is a task that needs to be done. And you will not be able to do this task without making a genuine relationship with the people. And once when you start doing this genuine relationship with another people, you will figure out that from different cultures. And when you have a people from a different cultures, you're going to have some clash. If you don't understand from where those people are coming from, you're going to have some clash in not understanding what's happening. So, to help us with this, I'm going to take some water. Sorry. Yes. Um, can you put me some water, please? Uh, there is a very good story. I don't know if you heard about the story of the monkey and the fish. Anybody heard that story? It's a great story. I, I, they say it's coming from Tanzania. I'm not, I don't know if it's true, but it's a great example. Of work with another culture it goes like this. Typhoon had temporarily stranded. Here we go. This is my Eastern European uh, mafia English accent. Okay. <laughs> Typhoon had temporarily. Yeah, my uncle Dimitri working in a waste disposal business. Typhoon. <laughs> my eyes break when I preach you know, in the West. In the churches, I always says you know. It sounds like. Uh, Uh, grew from despicable me. (laughs) (laughs) People get connected with that. Typhoon had temporarily stranded a monkey on an island. In a secure protected place while waiting for the raging waters to uh, recede, he spotted a fish swimming against the current. It seems obvious to the monkey that fish has struggled and indeed uh, need his assistance. Being of kind heart, the monkey resolved to help the fish. A tree Precariously dangled over the very spot where the fish seems to be struggling, at considerable risk to himself, the monkey moved for out of limb, reached down and snatched the fish from the threatening waters. Immediately, he ran back to the safety of his shelter. He carefully laid the fish on the dry ground. For a few moments, the fish showed excitement, <laughs> but soon settling in a peaceful rest, a joy and satisfaction swelled inside the monkey. He had successfully helped. Another creature. It's a great story. And so much true. I mean, we can sitting here, we can think about intelligence of this monkey. Okay, that's a first impression, it's not very intelligent. But I'll tell you what, that story presents so many missionaries who go on a mission field. It's very good. So many missionaries on a mission field. Because look, if if you look behind the scene, this monkey is very courageous. Okay, he has a good attention, he has a noble motives, he had a zeal, he'd been on a mission church planting conference, he raised his hand, he filled Mike Betts and other guys preach about the planting churches in other nation. he responds so well, yes that's me, I'm gonna do it, there is a good attention in me, noble motives, zeals, everything, but his motives were this, the direct, mysterious director because of his ignorance. He didn't know anything about the other culture, where he goes. You know, he could not see beyond his frame of references. That is the biggest mistake when you do when you go another culture. <coughs> you know, you have your own frame of references and you don't understand the other people's frame of references. So he believed uh, what was danger, dangerous for himself, for him, was dangerous for the fish. Therefore, what's good for him, it must be good for a fish. And when you have a missionary who goes from other cultures with that kind of idea, what well, is good for me is good for you. You're gonna have some misunderstanding because that doesn't need to be true, doesn't need to be to be right. And as a result, he acted out of his ignorance, limited frame of reference, and end up doing damage instead of doing a good thing. You know. And the worst thing, what I think you know in this story is the monkey may never know. The damage he did. He will go back in the safety of his culture uh, with the great opinion, I've done such a great thing, never being aware of the mess he created in that culture where he was, you know. And, uh, and probably in honor and shame culture people will never tell him, actually you've done such a great mess among us, we are so happy you're going. They're probably gonna have a smile, courageous respect that missionary, sent him very well and deal with the problems he created. You know, so we got to be aware of those things. We demand, we demand competence, skill, expertise from people who serve us. I mean, nobody of us ever going to say to the doctor or welcome that doctor among, among themselves, doctor who just done one year of training and says, well, I had enough of training. People are dying. I'm just going to go, go and do a work, you know, and save people. I mean, that doctor is crazy. We will never have anything with that kind of doctor. We want doc- we people who serve us to be well prepared, well trained, so they can deliver the good service. How much us who works for God in a God's mission, in a very important mission, we need to be prepared so we are not this kind of provincial monkeys when we go there, but actually we know what we're doing. So if people reject the gospel, it's not because we are monkeys. Okay, but because some other reasons. So we gotta be trained very well. So I think the most important thing is is to put things in perspective. You gotta have things in perspective. There is um, this is actually old. There is a point se- seven, six billion people lives on Earth. Seven point six million pe- uh, billion people lives on Earth. Uh, half of those communities they don't have any kind of representation of Christ of Church or gospel in any way. So there is a huge work of us and there is no doubt in my mind that we in some way we need to be involved in a mission cross-culturally. Okay, that means serving people in your community from different cultures. That means sending missionaries. That means going and supporting missionaries by visiting them and spending time with them and bring them the joy and blessing of bringing your own culture to them. It's hugely important. Uh, There is no way that can... Uh, and I can say this more than, than, you know, it's so important when you go and visit missionaries. And I try to help people and like friends. John is an extremely good friend because he understands how it's important for him just to come and be with us in Serbia. Just to come and bring refreshments of the familiar culture to Sonia to me, being with us. Without any kind of agenda or doing some organic or anything, just to be with us. So you can serve in mission in so many different ways. Uh, but the fact is okay to stop being these provisional monkeys and bringing our frame of references we need to be aware of the certain things and uh, the things that you need to be most aware is that if you are if you are white skin western European guy okay and live in Europe entering the most cultures around the world puts you to minority you're straight away minority and we are not trained to think in that kind of way it's hard to see for for us to see ourselves to be a Minority because most of the life we live with the people who are exactly the same like us Okay, we even choose Friends who love the same things as we like who thinks the same things that we think who who have the same faith uh, Set of values like we have so we are always surrounded to people in whose we feel like a majority but if you're entering another culture, you're straight away, straight away in minority. So let me, there's a very good um, illustration of that. Imagine a village of thousand people that represent the world, world population. This is some research done in 2002. It's old but it's not all because it's all in percentages, not many things happen. So if you have a, a village of thousand people that represents world population, then 206 people will be Chinese. Uh, Okay. Uh, 167 will be Indian. 79 will be for Central and South America. 50 Eastern European, that includes me. 51 will be North Americans. 45 will be Western European. 33 Indonesian. 21 Japan. 22 Bangladesh. 21 Nigeria. 24 Pakistan. 118 will be from sub-Saharan uh, African and other Asian culture- cultures. So we are minority. When you look in that way, when you go and be involved with another cultures, you're in minority. And we need to have this kind of approach and way of thinking that approaching another people from another cultures, we should stop down and think about some things. In this global village. Uh, the typical that there will be 12 births, 12, uh, 20 births. 12 will be Asian babies, three African, two Latin American, one each from the North America, Eastern European, West Europe, 114 North Americans, European and Japanese, just over 11% of the population own 90, percent of wealth in the world and consume more than a half of its products. It's amazing, sobering things. Religiously, the village looks like this one third will be Christians, two thirds non Christians, Muslims nearly 200, non religious 126, Hindu 135, Buddhist 60, ethno religious religionists, whatever that means, 38, <laughs> atheists, my wife doesn't know, she's English, so I'm very safe. New religionist 17. Sick, four, Jewish two, Other, sixty-five. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. What's that mean? Those differences can be a bridge to discover to discovery and fascination, or can be a cause of frustration. And we can handle differences like a proverbial monkeys, or we can have a better reproach. We gotta learn. To approach this things differently if we don't learn differently we're just going to be these monkeys are we going to serve more ourselves than the mission field and there is nothing worse when you have a missionary who is there to serve himself not the people on the mission i've seen them i've seen all of them i've seen churches i've seen people who come and they just get some kind of thrill satisfaction they're cool guys in the religious circles because they went to another mission and they never done anything for the people on the mission field. For the natives, for the domestic people, they haven't done absolutely anything. So you got to learn to think about those things. So what does this mean? This means by default, because we are never been is exposed to that feeling, to that fact that we are a minority. By default, we are always in majority of the people who are similar to us we think that our way is the right way. The I mission philosophy is the right mission philosophy. That our beliefs are correct. That our culture is superior. We can't escape from that. In one way or another. Subconsciously or consciously we think that about ourselves. And we constantly send some kind of message that my way is the right way. You better listen to me. Okay? And uh, that's exactly the message of the story. So we gotta transport the way we're thinking and carefully reflect and find some humility so we can, so we can work on this uh, hidden superiority in our hearts that we think the best and when we're entering another culture, thinking that we're bringing you some kind of salvation. We're bringing you some kind of way to make things better. You don't know anything. We're going to show you how. We can't escape from that, that we are product of our heritage. We can't leave that aside. We are we are product of our culture, we are product of our history, we are product of our family, we are product of the church family, church history, and it's good to acknowledge that. It's good to acknowledge that we from our heritage we got many, many, many good things, but also we need to acknowledge that there is a things in our heritage that actually barrier to reach another nation's. So that's a very important thing. And it's also very good to acknowledge that. We are very black and white people. We don't like to acknowledge that, but we are black and white. And we have a two categories that's very big in our, in our life, and that's a black and white. If you grow up in the West, if you're coming from the uh, German, Swedish, uh, European, North European, uh, UK kind of culture, then product of your heritage is, uh, you're coming from kind, some kind of industrial heritage where precision and punctuality is the right thing. And important values that support larger value is there is the right way to things to be done, and there is the wrong ways to things to be done. And it's, everything goes in those two categories. There is the right ways and there is the wrong ways. And then the, the, the school supports that, the math supports that, the grammar supports that, there is the right way, they in the wrong way. If you're coming from my culture, from honor and shame culture, from) uh <clears throat> From agriculture kind of background and heritage, where to survive you don't depend of industry, you depend of your neighbours and you depend of help from your neighbours to do all kind of agriculture kind of work. (coughs) Your right way is, what is the right way to honour people and what is the shameful way way that separates you from the people? So You still have two contrasts, you have an honouring way, you have a dishonouring way. In the West, you have the right way things to be done, the wrong way things to be done. In my culture, you have an honoring way in which you honor people around yourself. You have this way in which you dishonor people. So it's always that kind of black and white kind of way. And then if you work very hard, you have a tiny little group which says differences, which you probably can fix one or two things there. But you have a very, 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 very... Uh, big categories of right way the wrong way now what i found then is that the things that i put in a category of right were the things of people that were like me and the things i pegged as wrong were the things and people that were not like me then i create my little world made of people who are like me where i feel i'm like in minority in majority sorry now the problem is You're entering another culture. Your church starts working with another church in another culture. You start meeting people in your neighborhood who are different than you. You decide to go on a short mission, on a long mission, to be amongst the people who are totally different than you. And you start meeting people from another culture. And you have a false conclusion that everybody is like me. Or if they're not like me, they're wrong. (coughs) Okay? And this kind of thing will... uh, likely close you to have a serious problem in a global village Because in a global village you see there is so many different things and then you need to stop back and then you need to see that God reveals his many side nature through Variety diversity that he placed in this world. Differences are born in eternity God the Father Son and Holy Spirit each different and each fully God much of what we see in experience in this life does not belong in a category of right and wrong. And if you try to f- forcefully to put him in a categories of right and wrong, you're going to have a huge problems. You can't do that in a mission. So, we need to work on that when you're entering another nation. You need to work on that to as much as possible to enlarge that category of differences in your life. Okay? If you are, if you are stubborn and you want to enter another nation, work with another people, and keep those rigidly, keep those categories of right and wrong and not allowed to get them smaller and allow the category of differences to work, to, to grow up in your mind, you're going to have a huge problems. You're going to be disappointed. You will try to fix every single thing that you see that's different that what you know, different than your history, different than your philosophy, different than your culture, you're going to put in a category of wrong. And that's going to make you a problem. That's going to make a huge problem. Now, Bible talks about right and wrong, okay? We shouldn't go with some kind of cultural relativism and every single thing just declared to be just different. No, Bible speaks of right and wrong, so we need to respect that. <coughs> But we also need to respect all the God's diversities that exist in a different culture. So we need to have respect for a God's world and have a respect for his word. Okay? So thus, the job of missionary and the proper missionary is to keep those things happy. Keep those things in a balance. You respect the differences that exist in a God's world. And you respect the God's word which says what is right, what is wrong. And then you learn to draw that line Uh, that line is difficult okay to draw where is the line between these differences and what you keep unchangeable is difficult i can tell you that but you need to work you need to do your homework the easy way just go with the flow okay and just be a tourist in another nation you never get properly involved in a culture you never get properly involved in the problems you never work just like When you come as a tourist in in, in Malaga, tourists, they don't get involved in the culture. They they do the touristic stuff. They go where all the tourists are going. They don't care very much that Catalonia is going to get independence and stuff like that. They're not very much involved with the the real problems of that nation. They're not very much involved. And um, you don't want that. You want to be part of what's happening there. You want to learn to draw that line. that line is difficult to, to, to draw in, 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 in one culture. You have a generation after the generation that comes and they draw the different lines. The one generation of Christians 50 years ago says this is the line of right and wrong. Then the next generation comes and says, no, these lines are changing. This is what's right and wrong. And sometimes we do make mistakes and we go in a biblical era. We need to come back. Imagine how difficult it is to do that between the different cultures. So you gotta be aware of those things you got to be aware there is a different co- uh, culture. you got to be aware what kind of cultural baggage you bring in yourself. you got to be aware of those categories of right and wrong in your life. you got to be aware that there is, a, there is a category of differences that's maybe small in your life. And you need to work to make it bigger. So, the key thing for missionary, for any kind of... Involvement in the different cultures is to broaden this category of differences Make it as broader as possible without going kind of biblical error make it as broader as possible and That was such a setting free for me. I I, I absolutely was not aware how much your culture builds you and how much You develop these categories of right and wrong and how much you you, you keep them. I mean I spent just four years in England four years in England to do my training. I worked with John, I worked in Norfolk, I worked with other people. All my theology was the Western theology, if I can say like that, and I can say like that, there is a Western theology. Um, All my missionary experience and missionary philosophy was the Western kind of expression, how to do a mission. And then I went back to my culture and I become a I, who who is a Serb, I become a a missionary in my own culture. I just adopt so much of the Western culture, Western way of thinking, um, Western philosophy, Western theology, and I went to my culture and started doing things as a colonialist. Absolutely unaware of those things. took me 10 years, I can say. To, 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 for God's just to break me down break me down break me down just to come to realization actually I, I, I can be a Serb I don't understand anything what's that mean to be a sir? I don't know anything about my culture I, I preach gospel in a way that people don't understand in honor and shame culture you cannot present gospel in a guilt and innocent culture innocent way because it goes over people's heads they don't understand they don't understand they've done something wrong Okay, they've done something wrong. If somebody sees them that they've done something wrong. If nobody sees them that done something wrong, they're fine with that. In the West, your, cult, your, 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 your conscience tells you you've done something wrong. In East, people around you tell you you've done something wrong. If they know you've done something, they'll let you know you've done something. They put shame on you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Trying to disciple people in a way you've done something, it just doesn't work. So I start rethinking all these things. How do I preach gospel? How do you preach gospel in a very strong context kind of culture? And I've seen different straight away. As soon as I change, just the preaching gospel in a way, God accept you back in the family. You know, God took your shame away and working on breaking people, shaming people's life just works straight away. People start connecting with that. You know, Uh, 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 in West, it's believe, behave, belong. Just never work in our culture I'll, I'll ask him why people why people don't respond on the gospel or if they respond on a gospel on a gospel call they respond because they're in a group with the people and everybody expect them to, to respond so because of the pressure and shame if they don't respond they respond and that doesn't mean absolutely anything that the way through it is is totally different than in the west you gotta you gotta belong, behave, believe. You gotta spend lots of, lots of, lots of time developing relationship with the people, relationship with the people, relationship with the people. And then when you're part of the group, the circle of friends, of respect, they start opening their heart to you. And that's when discipleship start happening. Even before belonging, be- believing, they start talking about life. You know, because you become the best friend, and they tell you everything. So you start discipling them. And that discipling is bring them sooner or later to the God that you believe and accept God. Totally different. So I struggle. I struggled for 10 years not seeing a grow in a church. I have what's happening. Why people leaving? Why we have grow, then everybody goes, then grow, then anybody goes. Because people never got properly connected. Because we've always been always being focused on a task. Okay, not so much focus on discipling, making relationship with the people. And now, when God's opened my eyes, when I see actually how great we are, and you will come on a Sunday in a church and you will say, "No, you're not great," and I will say, "Yes, we are great because on the upskirts of the church there is so many deep relationships that's developing with the people from Serbian culture. There is so many things that want to spend time with us and be with us, and slowly opening their hearts. So we're moving from the Uh, belonging to behaving we start speaking with them about their life and everything else and i know sooner we're going to see them being saved so every single every single uh, things that we do as a church or as a team or just just individual christians it just gathers so many people around us breaking xenophobia breaking shame people are not they don't feel shame to be seen with us because in that culture, if you know the Orthodox Christian, any kind of different Christian, you are sect, And people will you put all kinds of shaming tactics on you to make you come back, you know. So, uh, so they actually want to be seen with us and being with us. But it took me years and years actually to reprogram myself from the Western way of thinking. Me, who is just four years being Western, I can say like that, you know, and four years being exposed, I can say, to the Western theology, if I can be so much influenced and change my culture and enter in my own culture as a foreigner, how much the Westerners who go in the mission field in different, different cultures needs actually very seriously to think about those things, if they really want to do something right in the cultures they go. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. <coughs> the root to that is to have a broad category of differences. We all have a right and wrong way of thinking, honoring or dishonoring way of thinking, and very small area of different. We gotta make that category of different as broad as possible. When you make that as broad, when you... Um, because when you, uh, when you enter to another culture, and you see the cultural differences, you want to judge it straight away. You're going to say straight away, this is right and wrong. And as soon as you label something as wrong, there's a certain things happens in you, you want to correct it. And now you're a foreigner who enter in a foreign culture. You see things are culturally different, and you take these culturally different things and you put them in category of wrong. And you have arrogance to try to change that straight away. You just enter this new culture. They don't know you. They're suspicious about you. You're not in the circle. And you want to correct those things straight away. And you're straight away one of those Western guys who just want to tell us what to do and how to do straight away. Then, because you place something in a wrong category, you don't know to understand anymore. Because it's wrong. Why should I understand? It's wrong. And you cut yourself from that possibility to learn about the new culture. To learn about the way of thinking to learn about how things happen in that culture. You just rob yourself from that and you never learn. And then because we're all sinful people and we all need that kind of feeling important and and some value, we start spreading word around how wrong is this culture because we want other people to agree with us. As soon as you're making problem, you know, you you start saying how wrong the Serbs are, how wrong they're doing things, how wrong the the Baptists are. In in our city, there is us, we are evangelical, uh, charismatic church, there is a couple of Baptist churches, and there is a gypsy church. And for years, every time, praise God, instead of of being joyful that, hey, all these churches are together, let's celebrate that we have something common and we can do something together. I will go on all these meetings and find things that's wrong. Oh, these Baptists are wrong in this, or oh, they're wrong in that. I will just find the wrong things all the time and just rob myself from that. Actually, let's find something that we have in common or we can do something. It's the same with other cultures. But listen to this <clears throat> if you are quickly classified things, this is culturally different, this is culturally different, and go with, with that definition, that sets you free in many ways. It sets you free from stress of dealing with so many things that's wrong, okay? And that's a really cool place to be when you're entering in a new mission field. To be free so you can enjoy that culture and slowly entering the culture. Gives you freedom from stress of dealing with so many things that's wrong. Because if you put things in the wrong category, you want to deal with those things straight away. If we see differences as a natural, free us from being prone to negative judgment. You will not be so judgmental. You will not be so, these Serbs are like this, these Spanish are like this, these things are like this, that things are like that. It will set you free from that. And when you set you free from judgmental kind of spirit, people are much easier to accept you. People are much easier to be part of you. Interaction with people will be much more open because you don't want to correct them. If you see things are wrong, you want to correct people all the time. You don't want to correct them. You find things that are common with you. You will be much more relaxed and say, oh, that's just different. It just sets you free in many ways. And uh, my experience has shown me that overwhelming majority of things that I experience in another culture are actually different, not wrong. It took me the whole year to work with some issues with the Western Christians. It's nobody's fault, okay? But I got hit by cultural differences that my culture reacted wrongly on those things. So I had a judgmental spirit. I, I haven't been in a happy place. I, I was just saying all the time, this is wrong. It shouldn't be like this. This is wrong. It shouldn't be like that. It's just very painful. Because it means to me, it means something to me. I want things to be right. But when I say, oh, actually, this is just different. This is just (coughs) different. It just sets you free so you can work and you approach all the differences, not from perspective, this is wrong. It's just beautifully different. And you can actually learn something. You can approach to these differences. Well, these things are much superior than in my culture. What can I learn? Or I can say, well, these things, in these things, my culture, is much more superior how can I help them to be better in those things it helps a lot but what should you do with when you I encounter things that I judge to be wrong by biblical standards because if you work with the churches you come to the culture you're gonna see some things that's uh, clearly clearly biblically wrong what do you do then well my experience says if you work with honor and shame culture It doesn't help if you tell them. (laughs) It just doesn't help. They may be going to change things on the surface, but not in a deeper level. They're probably going to tell you what you want to hear. Honor and shame culture is the weird place. It's a very weird place because people tell you what you want to hear. And they never tell you the truth. If true is negative, they will not tell you. Seriously, they will not tell you. I'm I'm sure you guys agree with that. And it's much more culturally acceptable to say yes and not do it, than to say no in somebody's face. Saying no to somebody is a huge insult. So it's much better to say yes and not do it. So if we do Alpha and anything in Serbia, it's just a nightmare, because I invite people and everybody say, of course, yes, we're all coming. And then nobody comes, because they tell you what you want to hear. They agree with you, with everything. So don't do those things. Don't do those things until you get in a circle. Until you become one of them. Until they find the ways to tell you he's one of us. And that usually means we have a saying in Serbia, you got to eat a pound of salt with somebody. Okay, Which means you got to have a lot of social time with somebody. You got to eat a lot of food. You got to really become friends with people. You got to really get (coughs) inside so you can tell them in a way they're going to listen to you. And most of those things, if you, if you work on a church level, involves a lot of praying. Praying so the Holy Spirit can actually reveal to that culture and to those people, not you. If you are just trying to correct a foreigner, that doesn't mean anything. But if you earn trust to be amongst them and then work slowly, will give some results. And if you pray and those people, not you, those people get the revelation from God about what you're saying, then you have a winning situation. Mission is slow thing, guys. Mission in another nation is a very, very slow thing. And because it's slow thing, you've got to learn the battles. You're going to fight and not fight. And everything around us, it goes very fast. But mission is still slow coach. If you want to make a real change in the nation, don't jump from one nation on another. We had a... What's the name? What's the name? Svetska one. Oh, there's some organization, oh, sorry, if anybody's from that here, I'm sorry. World race. Okay. Missionaries from America who collect money and 10 or 12 of them will go around the world and in every mission field they spend one month. And I say, you better gather that money and send it to one of those places. They know how to use that money. The new guys going from month to month, from place to place. And they just get a good thrill. You can't do anything for a month. It's good if you go for a month and help already the mission couple who is there. But if you want to get involved in a mission, get involved in a mission. Like old-fashioned missionaries. Burn the bridges and say, i maybe never going to come back. But the real change in some nations you're going to see by missionaries who are committed to study the culture. Go to all these cultural preparations. Get stuck there for a long time. Bleed for that nation. Sweat for that nation. See the good and the bad. Not having a satisfaction of seeing a great things as you've seen in your old nation where you're coming from. <laughs> but you know you're doing something right. Because after that, after you, there's going to have something happening again and again and again and again. Okay, so we need this kind of concept of the mission. The call is great fun okay the work is hard that's I don't know how to say that differently don't get in a conference and get just oh like a monkey <laughs> all excited full with zeal I'm going to nation going to nation get yourself proper prepared when you're entering that nation you can really do the great work so Sonia is a good example of that she's my wife she's somebody sh- who fell cold from Gandhi 96 97 for Serbia she burned all the bridges, sold everything, came to Serbia, and God used for her powerfully in Serbia. How powerfully what he does in Nish. you know? And I know Sonia has a huge desires and dreams, uh, we're probably never gonna see those things happening <coughs> in our generation. But we play our role in our generation. Uh, one day in our heaven, we're gonna see all these things fulfilled. But right now, this is what we're doing, Sonia. Give applause to Sonia.) She, <laughs>
1: So
2: I'll do three. The ones you missed. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, it is a. There you go. (laughs) All Gladys talk. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here, and um, I, like like Gladys said, I moved to Serbia in 1996. I did not have another plan. It was my life plan. My desire. It was all I ever wanted. And so, okay, so it's a long story how I got there, but I moved there and I had no intention of going anywhere else. I just absolutely I loved the country. I was captivated with the Balkans, with the former Yugoslavia, and it was like I saw it as my promised land. And um, and when I got there I um, I felt no culture shock initially. I'm going to be talking about culture shock for a, for a little bit, but initially I felt no culture shock. My name's Sonia with a J. It just fits in. My, my all all the little habits that were weird about me in England, you know, like wanting to talk till late at night and just like uh, all all the the social kind of things. Serbia was you know so sociable, so much fun, so uh, so vibrant, so loud, and and I just felt yeah this is Uh, This is just, it's me, I've come home. And I met Vlado, we got married. Um, He went off to the army uh, just after we got married. So our our timing was was pretty bad, but it was kind of unavoidable. You know, we got married in 1998 in the spring, and he went off to the army in in September 1998 to do a year of national service. At that time, it was um, just what you had to do uh he went off and uh he'd been in the army a couple of weeks and i found i was pregnant which was uh it was all kind of a whole new adventure there because um uh it was just before the nato bombing and uh it was all quite a quite a serious time for the country and for us uh uh personally so um I went to England to have to have our baby, and um, she was born during the NATO bombing. So Vlada was serving in the army, and um, I was in England, just so feeling so far away from um, from my home, that you know my my promised land, the place I'd chosen to be, and um, so yeah, our daughter was was born there, and I managed to always get hold of Vlada on the. Uh, army telephone somehow and she got a Kalashnikov salute when she was born off the side of a, <laughs> a mountain o- overlooking Kosovo and it was um uh was, you don't know do you? you know when you think oh this is this is what I want to do with my life and this is this is where I want to go and this is how I'm going to serve God you're like um you, you don't know what's going to happen and maybe if you did you you wouldn't I didn't know that my, my country would be bombing my husband and that it would all be very difficult to, to, to get through. But um, I've just told you a little bit about that, really, because my culture shock came a little bit when I, I came back to Serbia with, with our baby. And I discovered a few cultural mores that were absolutely not mine and, um, you know, like I, I got back and I prayed that we'd, um, that Vlad would meet his baby before she was three months old. And I got back just the day before and it was just after the NATO bombing and it was, um, Vlad was still in the army. So it was like me and my baby, here we are, we're home. And, uh, and suddenly my, my baby, she was my baby, but in, in the Serbian culture, she's our baby. True, <laughs> sure. And, uh. You know, you've got my mother-in-law saying, this is our baby, I'm thinking, this is my baby. And I gradually saw like some of the differences in the culture that I'd never seen before. You know, like she'd just started solids and there were these like, they are these national crisps. I don't know, everyone eats them. They're like Watsits, but they're, they're peanut based and everyone like would squash the peanut based crisp and stick it in my baby's mouth western peanuts oh my goodness we don't do that to they're two you know and here's my baby like she's just started solids and she's eating peanuts and um you know it was all kind of like cultural things the wind's blowing don't take your child outside the wind's blowing and uh, and, and i had to gradually you know had to stop judging people you know these are these are cultural things you know don't you yeah with our kids yeah <laughs> take them peanuts. Yeah, my mother-in-law, might, I think my baby was four months old, she came running into the room, oh, the baby's naked, the baby is naked. I thought, well, she can't roll over. And when I left her, she was fully dressed. It was like 30-something degrees. She didn't have any socks on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but it was, you know, <laughs> she was showing her love for my baby, and I had to learn that that is actually... It's not a terrible thing, you know, it's okay. And um it, it's one of those things that's the, it's the differences. It's, a, it's not right or wrong, it's just the way people show that they love in Serbia and in, in the, this culture, you know, people show that they love you and they love your child by giving you some good advice. And you just say, yes, thank you, and, and, and accept it and think, well, I'm never going to do that actually, but, you know, my way of loving them is to, sh- to show people that, that it's okay, so we have all these kind of cultural challenges we, we, we face them at home you know, like um, the other day, he's going to come for saying this, he, he had this jar of, of, uh, of figs from Macedonia, sweet figs and um, I really fancy those things and he's like, Sonia, try this I'm like, no thanks and like And this is just an example of the cultural differences. He's not wrong. I'm not wrong. I don't want to eat a sweet, syrupy fig an hour before dinner. But he wants to share the experience with me because it's a collective culture. So we've got, like, the cultures, they they hit each other, you know. His culture says, share the fig, it's great. I don't want the fig. And my choice is, I don't want the fig. We're both right, and we're both wrong, and it's just how it is, and it's it's part of that glorious adventure of you know of, of being cross-cultural. There are so many things that are just not right and not wrong; they're just different. And um, so, culture shock. I have a definition. Is it up there, slide? Yes, the yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes. It's uh, th- th- okay. you feel culture shocked when you, you are frustrated because you don't know. What the rules are in the new in the new culture you can't adjust to them immediately it takes time and uh, you feel disoriented because it's not the same the same map the same guidelines as 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 those that you grew up with um, it doesn't fit with your your frame of reference and your your former way of, of looking at things you know you know this way and yet it's um it's it's different and it can lead to you feeling anxious. You know, you can feel anxiety because all the all the familiar things, the symbols, the things that you know are okay, you don't have them anymore. So maybe it's like the, the rug has been pulled from under your feet. And uh, we're always interpreting, aren't we, situations so that we know how to act. And um, if we don't know how to to gauge a situation, then we can feel very vulnerable, actually, and a bit fearful of. Of, of, of how we, we're going to do it and how uh, how embarrassed we're going to be, and um, I've really trodden every path like that. I've, I've embarrassed myself countless times. Uh, I'll, I'll give a few examples later about um, about language, but um, it's a journey. And uh, I think the main the main thing, you know, if, if we're um, as people work in other cultures, if we're just ready to accept. It makes a whole lot of difference to just okay this culture is different you know what's shocking about it it's just different the language the the values the thinking patterns you know there is immediate things that hit us but there are things later on that we realize after that you know like the administrative nightmare the holes in the pavement the the things that maybe you don't notice when you're having that honeymoon period with the, with the culture, but it all, it all comes, it all comes, and it's all just part of, part of the journey and uh, you know, and, and adapting to it. But culture shock is absolutely normal. It's absolutely normal. It, there, there's no kind of, I say there's no chance if you're not having it. It's very, it would be very rare for you to not be shocked in some way by the culture because it's not your culture. It
0: usually comes after honeymoon period.
2: Yeah, yeah. My honeymoon period was very long, you know. But once I had a child, I realised, you know, it's different. And uh, for for me, just a, a huge thing um, is don't don't give yourself. You know, if you're in a, living a long term in another culture, just don't give yourself the luxury of self pity. You know, don't mm. don't allow yourself to go down that road, because it's yeah. it's just the beginning of something that's really downward spiral and harder to get out of so you stop, you know, and make choices to, to, to not uh, to, to not be like that and um, it, is, um, it is very important to have those um, lines of support so if, if, if you're here because you're supporting somebody overseas, you know, for, for somebody to have like to know, okay, I feel like this, who do I go to? Um, or actually you know we're going to make regular checks on this person just to check to see if they're okay to see what's going on to ask specific questions to see what's going on with them because they might not say um you know we all process things differently but i think the point with with, with culture shock is, well, with the whole difference in like meeting this new culture it is a chance to um to meet with god it's a chance to experience more of that beautiful kind of multifaceted colourfulness of, of God and mm-hmm. uh, and also to for your relationship with God to, to grow. You know, like I remember when I first went there, it was a long time ago, but um I was having a brilliant time, you know, oh sorry in my country and all this. But it's like every now and then you just like, oh man, I feel really lonely. I know these people but I don't really know them. They're all far away. There was no internet then. If we remember back to those days and it's like oh i said i suddenly like bam i'm really lonely just like get before god have a good cry cry it out okay i'm not going to feel sorry for myself i'm going to go and meet those people hang out with them i'll get to know them more so they become my best friends so that i don't feel lonely anymore you know so it brings you closer to god and it kind of if you you shouldn't let it force you to to be part of the culture more
1: if, that, if that's
2: any any help culture shock can lead you to feel that you're abnormal maybe that you haven't heard from god about the place that you've you have you have gone to maybe that you're unspiritual or that uh, you're not skilled maybe that god's punishing you he's teaching you a lesson sending you to this culture you know this faraway place And uh, these things can go around in in your mind, but actually, it's like a field day for for Satan, isn't it? It's the the devil's playground, because once once those thoughts are in your mind, I'm just not good enough for this, I just can't do it. And you start to feel discouraged, and um, it can steal the excitement that you feel about the new culture, and it can start you blaming other people, or focusing just on yourself, And the devil's having the playground because he really wants you to feel like that, you know. But when you're in a new culture, it's normal to to feel some of these doubts, some of these self-doubts and and, uh, wondering, you know, is this really what God wants for me? So let it push you deeper into God and not the other way around. Not to push you to yourself or to just wondering about the whole thing. I've got a list here of, I don't think it's on there, but symptoms of culture shock. And some of these are really helpful. And I'm just going to read some of them. Uh, Wanting to withdraw from the local people. Excessive sleeping. Just wanting to be with your friends. Obsessing over missing favourite foods. Craving for news from home. Doubts. Wishing you were somewhere else. Feeling physically exhausted blaming yourself, uh, daydreaming about home, criticising local people and their culture, which I think is a huge one, you know, like, it's what Vlada was saying, isn't it? You know, like, can't, can't judge it just because it's not your culture, it's just a different culture. And, and just a, like a general anxiety, depression, lethargy. And if you're an external processor... You'll just say what's on your mind and and that's fine and people will help you. But if you're more of of an internal process and maybe you're not going to tell somebody how you're feeling, especially if that doesn't, you know, you're meant to be a Christian, you've got this, you know, you're okay, you're in another culture, you're serving God, you're all right. But maybe you're feeling some of these things and you don't want to admit it. So as a person supporting uh, someone in another culture, you know, you need to ask the questions
0: you feeling like this?
2: What you know? What, what's going on here? How was your day? Stuff you know that, that really gets gets to the, the heart of of the matter. Um, culture shock can be caused by the language. Can be caused by relationships and um, routines. Language is a huge one, isn't it? Oh, I've had such a laugh learning Serbian. I've made the worst mistakes. You cannot believe the terrible things that I've said to people. <laughs> I've, um, right at the beginning, there was this dear lady who gave me some jam. And uh, I just wanted to say, I mean, I wanted to say about jam to sound nice. You know, I want a relationship with this lady. I want to be nice about her jam. I'm like, Have you put any preservatives in it? But the thing was, if you say an English word in a Serbian way, sometimes it actually works. And I said, have you put preservative in your jam? And I, well, I actually said to her, have you put condoms in your jam? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
1: she didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Funnily enough, no, she hadn't put any condoms in her jam. <laughs> oh, That's just one of the terrible, terrible things that I've said. But I, I think that the point is that, you know, if you do it with a lovely heart, and people see that, don't they? People see that you just... You want to relate. You want to be friends, and and so they forgive you everything. You know, the man at the gym forgave me for like I said I wanted to sign up, uh, but it's just one letter difference. You say I want to pee myself,
1: <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> honestly the list is endless. It's
2: hysterical, really. But you just gotta, you just gotta let it. You know, just let it happen. You're going to make mistakes, and that's fine.
0: And natives just, like that.
2: They like it because you're trying. Mm. They like it. There's this woman in our church, lovely German lady. Her Serbian was <coughs> awful. It was just so terrible. But she would always have people listening to her. Yeah. And uh, she, she's just such a lovely lady, and, and people just wanted to be with her. And I think it was just a, her language is awful, but it's just a lesson. You don't need all the grammar, you don't need all the the frills to be able to communicate. People just feel feel the, feel the love, don't they? Mm-hmm. They feel it. They know that you want to be with them and hear from them and, and um, be on the journey with them and let them see, you know, if, if they see that you're making mistakes, if they help you, then they feel that they've helped you mm-hmm. to learn something. And it's just all relationship building because it's all, it's all relationships, isn't it? It's all relationships. There's nothing that... Um, but it's bigger than that in, in, in you know it's all about Jesus of course it's our relationship with Jesus but communicating that in a way that people understand it's it's um yeah so um, relationships of course our relationships are different when we we're in a new culture but people are not the same people you don't know them actually and it takes time Um It can be traumatic. I mean, you've you know, if you've just left home, or you've left I don't know, you've left a a lot of friends behind, a a church, a supporting church, and now you've got like I don't know, five of you, (laughs) and and it's it's um, it's challenging, isn't it? And some good advice here. Thank God for bringing you to this place and being with you. Um, Keep a cool head. Others have done this successfully, and so can you. And uh, you can do practical things like putting up pictures of family, things that I probably are, I don't even need to to, to tell you. But um, you need to push through and get to know people. You have to you have to do it. It might be a little bit painful at times, but who are the people in your day when you go out? Who are the people that you meet? Oh, it's the lady in the shop. I'm going to talk to that lady in the shop every day, and 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 you need to get you know get joy from those relationships. Uh, maybe you don't have those huge, deep friendships, but they do come, don't they? It just it just takes time. So um, here's a really good word, yet. I can't do it yet, but I will do it. You know, I don't know that yet. Ooh, it's really hard, but I will do it. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge of, um, of, of of doing things, accomplishing them, but then you know them and you can do them. Yeah, just uh, last point really. Routines. I think that um, part of dealing with culture shock, I mean, when you've, if you're going to, to plant a church somewhere and uh, there aren't many of you and it's, um, you don't really have much organisation to your day. And I think for, for, for me and for people that I know that have, have been in this position, you know, like to have set things in your week that you know you're going to do. They're like things that you can hook on to because um otherwise you're not even going to know what day it is. You know, you're like, oh, what day is it today? Or oh, I don't have anything to remind me that it's a Monday. Oh no, Monday I have language class, Tuesday I go to, I don't know, whatever you like, stamp collecting club, salsa dancing, or so you know, try and fix things that you've you've got in your in your regular uh timing so that you've got things to to, to fix fix your days to, to fix some kind of organisation to did that, did that help you? Oh, you? You went to work though, didn't you? Um, we went
1: working initially
0: it was sort of two years of
2: language and culture, then okay. again sort of having a can, routine you introduce can you introduce me? Um, well can you introduce
1: yourselves? This is Kate We got introduced
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're, I think you're going to hear from tomorrow yeah okay um basically you know I'll, I'll stop there but it's such a lovely journey i've i wouldn't have done it any other way and i wouldn't have chosen to to opt out at any point because i think it's so easy to just give a little bit of yourself but you know i, I don't have any other plans i never did i still don't and what the future's got well whatever it's got it's in serbia and i have chosen to invest myself there and I absolutely absolutely have no regrets and uh, I would just encourage you, you know if you're thinking of going somewhere right. just be ready to um to enjoy the adventure and to glad like I said burn the bridges you know just dive in and you will not regret it thank you excellent well done <clears throat> Is that all for a time what time are we finishing?
0: Anybody? One. Huh? Or yeah, well, we started? What quarter past one? I think something like that. Uh, quarter past, half yeah. past. Any questions? Yeah.
1: I've got about five, but I'll ask one. <laughs> um, it's a, a question specifically for the honour and shame culture. How could you recommend um, responding to, particularly an honour and shame culture where it um, track this sort of shame put on you, or the, yeah. In a, in a European culture, I would know internally to say, they may think that, but I know that that's not right, and that's enough, yeah.
0: Say that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Um, Give me an example. Um, an example would be, The only example is perhaps quite female related in a sense of someone in an honor and shame culture they they see me doing something that in their culture brings shame to me as a woman say wearing a short skirt it's a bad example there are many other good examples that are not related to that that's
0: don't do it <laughs> it's as simple as that to be honest you know it's some um, it's You want to change those things in people, okay, but you cannot change those things if you're outside of circle that can change. You got to go inside. So you got to go with some cultural things first, okay, so you can earn enough trust and be inside the circle of people and then from inside try to change things. So those things, for example, how you dress yourself, uh, if that's literally close the door for you to relate with the people I will say don't do those things Mm -hmm. you know Um, it's it's just how things works in honor and shame culture Uh, it's it's you will say to the child you will say this is right this is wrong you know in honor and shame culture you from the day one with the children you teach them uh, don't do that everybody's gonna laugh at you you know or or do this, you know, people's going to love you and stuff like that. you know. And, and literally, that's that's happened once when I walked the street and mother and grandmother talked to the little girl. She's probably three years old. And they said, oh, you've done that. Everybody's going gonna to laugh, laugh to you. you know. And from the Western way of thinking, it was, oh, for goodness sake, what are you doing? Just just doesn't work like that in an unknown and shame culture at all. It's just the instruments that says this is the right way, this is the wrong way. You know? And so, so you, 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 need to, you need to understand those things, you need to understand where is the guilt, just a cultural thing, and where is the guilt destructive things, you know, and that's where you need to be wise, you need to learn the culture, you need to be with God, and you need to, and you need to go and say actually this is, this is not a cultural thing. This is um, destructive guilt that I need to deal with. So, you gotta have these two levels of guilt. With one thing, this is just the cultural things, I'm not gonna touch this, okay? I will put that in a category of differences. So, um, here we go, uh, just uh, silly things. I wear this suit almost all the time in Serbia now. Every time when I interact with people in some kind of level, I have a Titan suit, do I like it or not? I don't have any kind of opinion about all that. Just open doors. People see me differently. In the beginning, somebody talked to me in a way of honoring me. How uh, do you say that? Formal. Formal, version, formal yeah. you know, which I come from, I just came from England, you know, and formal way of talking to somebody is not something we encourage here. You're much more closely connected to somebody if you're, you know, more friendly and stuff. I would say all, all the time to, oh, don't, don't be formal with me. Actually, it actually works when people are formal with me. I have a much more influence on people to change some things in their life if they see me as so formal, you know. So, and I, I've seen, when I put suit, you know, that's why I have a beard, actually. That's why I shave my head. Some things in online shame culture happens just later. So there was a thing when I came... Things now are much different in the past because I'm much older now than when we came. And things I can do now, it really opens the door and I can really, you know, just because of my age, my look, my suit and tie, I achieve much more. So that's a cultural thing. Mini skirt and stuff like that is just a cultural thing. If culture says this is no way go, I will not go with those things, you know. If you are in a culture, if you're in a culture that really respect their own way of dressing, Dress like that culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is the price you pay for being missionary in that culture. Hudson Teller did the same thing. Wear the long hair and dress as the Chinese and he achieved much more than anybody else. But main things with the shame is there's a cultural thing, shame. Just like for us, this is right, this is wrong. They will say in a way, this is honoring, this is dishonoring. Everybody's going to laugh to you. Don't do that. You know, uh, and there is a destructive shame which you need to recognize and deal with those things. And that's what we do in the church. We will do those things. And when you read, actually, and this is the homework, when you read the Old Testament, when you read the, you read the Bible with uh, Easterner eyes, you will see a lot of language that Paul using, honor and shame as a language to change behavior in people. And we use that. Everybody heard what you've done, you know. Everybody respect what you've done. Everybody, you know, don't do those things and stuff. Like you find this kind of language. And they will use that as an as a, as a instrument to bring a proper behavior in people. I was always against that. I started using honoring and shaming. Say this is not good. This is dishonoring to the people. And people actually receive that. If I say this is right and wrong, it just doesn't work. Sonia and I will cross the road and where you shouldn't cross. And ah. yeah. Sonia will say, ooh, we can't cross here, you know. I will look around, nobody's looking at me, of course we've got to cross, I don't care. <laughs> if nobody sees you doing something wrong, it's not wrong, in order in shame culture. Deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing you can do, straight away close the door and say that's wrong, or you can keep it wide open and say, this is different, how can I use this? How can I use this to bring a, a gospel and proper behavior in people's life? Good website is honorandshame.com. That's a good starting point for anybody who wants to know. You'll find a lot of resources there, a lot of books, lots of blogs and stuff, and learn it more. Another question? Yes?
1: Can you say a bit more about how you present a gospel, particularly how you present the person of Jesus to people in that honor and shame? Because obviously you think maybe you wouldn't say "Auntie wouldn't Major on the resurrection truth and
0: Jesus being the way, yeah. the truth, you know, so much. What would you? I don't know. Um, I will. I will. I will. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm researching and write, reading a lot on that. How to present gospel non shame culture. I will go much more in a collectivistic kind of way, you know. So I'll present him more and more as a king now. I'll go with the king kind of image of Christ. And that works very well because people very much understand what the honor is, what the glory is. So I present a, a, a God as a king who's done something amazing to us, and I represent him in a new testament relationship of patron and clients which is the main relationship you had in the new testament and the old testament so that's relationship of the patron who does things for you you're not able to do for yourself and we are clients who receive that grace and show faith which means loyalty to him people understand that
1: so, think, so like the fatherhood of God no, you can
0: go your fatherhood of God God has done something for us that we are not able to do king is done the, the, the patron has done something for us that we are not able to do for ourselves and people understand that relationship you don't understand this in the West because you have money and you finish everything with the money in honor and shame culture when people don't have money that really depends on one another and doing a favor to one another it's an absolutely normal thing So everybody has experience of somebody who's done something for them that saved them from some kind of catastrophe, you know. And they all all know what that means in their heart. They all know the faithfulness they had to that person, the honor they had to that person, how they represent that person well to everybody else. And that's God. God's done something as a good patron king who shows such a great grace to us. He saved us for something which never done... Any other patron in our life could not do that. But he's done something for us that's, that just, just saved us. And now we are faithful to him. Now we show honor to him. Now we live differently for him. And we receive that grace even though we didn't deserve that grace. So I put the cross and everything in much bigger context of the king who came and saved us and invited us. The way he saved us was through the cross and people respond on that and i can almost say for the first time in respond. because if he's king okay king deserves loyalty savior if you see just savior who saved us on the cross in my culture that will be like somebody saved me from something and it's like i have a second birthday in my day i will remember him on my second birthday you know but king is somebody who deserves loyalty every single day, all the time. If he's a good father, okay, in our culture, in everywhere else, you know, you respect your father, you love your father, but you want your own independence. You want to be your own man, okay? But if he's a king, you can't be your own man. You're always under the authority of king and loyalty to king goes all the time. Is he just a healer, well, you don't need a huge loyalty to your doctor. You can say thank you very much for what you've done, you know, But that's all, you're gonna do it. So yeah, you gotta put that holistic picture that he's the king who is the savior. He's the king who is a healer. He's the king who is my father. He's the king who is my friend. I can't just just a friend. He's just a friend of sinners. Well, we choose our friends by, you know, loyalty. If you're my friend, while you're my friend tomorrow, maybe you're not my friend, something like that. So when I present, and, and that, that image works so well in a culture, we have a hierarchy where people understand authority, where understand what it mean to be under authority, understand that, that relationship of the punctual and client, somebody who's done something for you that you're not able to do for yourself, and now you're faithful to that guy. People understand that image. You lost that in West, I will say.
1: You lost that. Very very.
0: So I go much more with that and, and I see people understand. Mm. Just, just, just last Sunday I, I preached about present God as a king. We had one of the best worship we had. Seriously. So, and that's, that's the Western theology. I've I, I been four years in the Western theology. I never thought about the honor and shame theology, how to present gospel honor and shame. I went back to England and everybody wants, everybody... Everybody presents gospel in you know, a four spiritual laws, you know. They won't, um, uh, in the groups, you know. Category this, category this, category. That doesn't work in the Russian culture. It's much more holistic. And uh, it's more holistic. It's much more relevant. You know, people, need, people don't need some kind of, I have my life sorted out because I have money and everything else, you know, and I need something to think about. It's a real thing for them. So God who's really holistic in all your life. And answering in every single area of life. It works for a people. You know, so if you present step one this. Step two this. Step three this. Step four this. Now you're saved. It doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work. But what works is. You got to make friends with people. You got to get inside the friendship. Inside. You're one of us. Because when you're one of us, it works. Nothing else. It's not important. Doing uh, wrong things to the people outside group, it's honorable thing. <laughs> but you don't trick your family members. You don't trick your wider friends. You don't trick your, your tribe. But everybody else, I don't care. I can do whatever I want. Actually, it's honorable doing a bad to them but until you're doing good to yourself. So once you're inside the group, they start opening their hearts and they sharing, start sharing the fears. They start sharing the problems. And they suddenly realize, well, I can, I, can, I, can, I can be shameful in your eyes. I can tell you all these things I never said to anybody because everybody else will reject me. But I can say those things to you and you understand me. You listen to me and you don't judge me. You, you're still my friend. And then you totally present some paradigm to them that they just can't live with. I've never seen something like that and then you bring them together. And that's, but that is a long process. And the Westerners don't have time for that long process. They, they, rather, they rather present the logical, the logical truths about God and somebody, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll take some, but that doesn't work. The ties, the, the relational ties are so strong that just a few clever logical statements, there is no way gonna break the ties. You gotta go inside those ties and from that ties bring salvation. And usually, when you bring that salvation, it really works for a whole family. It really works for everybody. So, one thing we change is instead of presenting gospel one-on-one, we rather work on a whole group of friends. Because there is more chance the whole group of friends finding strengths in one another to accept the same thing, the one person accepting with the fear well my friends are going to judge me and they're going to shame me it's good. and that's another t- came as a revelation we were just one on one disciples and, and you know preach the gospel go for a coffee with, with no, no no make a friends with everybody and then if all of them decide to become to become Christians then you really have something you really have something and everybody when I look back from day one including me Everybody who become Christians Become Christians but because they didn't have a strong ties So that will be students who move from another city to study here That will be people who never had a strong family ties That will be the ex-drug addicts who didn't care about what people thinks. They all make decision to follow Christ Those ties are so important. So important. Sometimes You get somebody who wants to be baptized Uh, this is the wisdom don't baptize that person wait because probably baptizing that person you're gonna make such a mess in in the whole family okay and close the door for yourself for that family on a long term forever maybe just for the sake of one person being baptized you're gonna close the whole family no you know develop relationship with the family develop relationship with the father develop relationship with the whole family with the hope the whole family is gonna be be saved and then wait without baptism for the purpose and faith that you're going to baptize the whole family one day. And the right? It's the same in your culture where you are. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to all this? Uh,
1: we could probably talk about this all day as well and uh, people want lunch probably, but um, I would say that before you can think about contextualizing your approach or the message, the first thing is contextualize yourself. That's it. And um, like, just have an attitude of asking a lot, a lot of questions of local yeah. people. Yeah. Why do you do this? Why do you say that? Um, it's much better than learning from books. That's it. And you build relationships with people in the process
0: put yourself in that client relationship it's a, such a huge thing so people can do things for you that gives them honor you yeah, know that honor is the huge thing as much as you do things so people around you can feel honorable it just opens them for you opens them for you and you're in a winning winning position definitely same in china my right room same okay should we stop here or we can continue, there is more things we can talk tomorrow. Thanks for coming. Ta-da.